Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. It's a joy to be here with you guys, and Todd is not lying. Uh, I have to brag on my family. Got a picture here of our two baby girls, twin girls who are identical. They, uh, we brought them into the world just about 10 weeks ago, and they are healthy and growing. And uh, yeah, I'm a father of three. It's crazy. Don't tell them I don't know what I'm doing, but uh, we're figuring it out, and it's good, and uh, God is good. We're so uh, thankful. Uh, so thank you for you guys uh, loving and supporting us through this time. Well, this morning, we are in a series entitled, This Changes Everything. And we've been in this series, and we're looking at the resurrection through the lens of different people who have uh, encountered Jesus after he was resurrected. And this morning, we're going to be looking at the disciples and their first encounter with Jesus after his resurrection. And just like the coronavirus has drastically changed the way that we do life as we know it, the resurrected re- resurrection changes the, the way that we relate to God and the way that he relates to us. And so it's powerful and it changes things. And so I believe that, that Jesus is powerful and his resurrection is still changing us today. Amen. Well, we're going to be reading from John chapter 20, starting in verse 19, if you would read along with me. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. A few weeks ago was uh, Ash Wednesday, and it marks the beginning of Lent. It's towards the end of February. And I was meeting up with my buddy Daniel. We were doing some discipleship, and Starbucks across the street is also uh, my uh, de facto second office. And so I was like, hey, I'm here. I want to get some ashes, and some Episcopal priests are out there doing the drive through ashes. And so got a picture of it, what it looks like. And so, um, yeah, so the priest, you know, rubbed the ashes on my forehead, and it was great, and I went about my day. And then about three weeks later, uh, I get this report in the Star-Telegram, and it says that an Episcopal priest is actually the first confirmed, confirmed case of coronavirus here in Tarrant County. And in that moment, uh, coronavirus went from something that was out there to something that was very real and personal, because I had the thought legitimately, hey, has this priest accidentally infected me? And there was a moment of fear there, I'm not going to lie. Uh, and thankfully, he wasn't the person that put asters on me, and thankfully, he recovered. Uh, but coronavirus became real in that moment, and I experienced a new level of fear that I hadn't experienced uh, in the midst of this crisis. And so whether it's fear uh, of getting sick or fear of dying or family stress, work stress, financial stress, anxiety, depression, isolation, sadness, or some other sort of pressure, I think now than, more than ever, we need to... Um, Find the peace of God in the midst of this crisis. And the question is, how do we do that? I've entitled my message this morning, The Process of Peace. 
Because what we'll discover today, and as we've seen in this passage, is that Jesus takes his disciples through a very intentional process in leading them out of fear and into peace. And I believe that God wants to bring us into peace today, and I believe that he wants us to walk in the fullness of what he's intended for us. And so here's the main thing this morning. Jesus intentionally invites us into a process of peace. So what does this process look like? And how do we respond to this invitation? Well, in order for us to understand the significance of what Jesus is about to do here, we have to understand the context of what's happening. And so Jesus has been crucified uh, on the cross, and the disciples are gathered up here in this home, and there is a real sense of fear in their lives because they're asking the question, if they did that to Jesus, what are they going to do to us? This wasn't like they just had a little bit of fear. No, no, no. They were, they were fearful for their very lives in this moment. And they're afraid that the Roman soldiers or the Jewish leaders are literally going to come straight through that door and take them and beat them and crucify them. And not only are they fearful for their very lives, but they are just mourning and grieving the loss of their beloved Savior, the one that they thought was the Messiah, the one that they thought was going to bring deliverance to the nation of Israel from the Roman Empire, the one uh, that they had believed was the one. And in this moment, they're wrestling through these missed expectations. And they're not only that, they're just sorrowful because they've lost a friend, right? They've lost a friend. Uh, and then uh, on top of that, they're, they're wondering, what does this mean for, for us in this moment? What does this mean for us in our future, our, our callings, our ministry? Have we just wasted the last three years of our life for a hoax? Uh, have we just uh, followed some radical religious zealot for no reason? Uh, what does this mean for our families? Are we going to have to leave our homes and our communities? There is fear at play here. It's a very real feeling that they are experiencing. And I think if you, if you take all of these things and you distill them down to the root, what we're looking at is they're dealing with fear, right? All of these things are coming out of a place of fear. And I don't know about you, but I found that fear is a doorway to so many other destructive emotions and feelings in my life and in my mind. And if we can deal with the source, then we can find peace. And that's, thankfully, that is what Jesus did on the cross, and it's what he did in his resurrection in dealing with the root problem of fear. Thank you, Lord. And so, verse 19, it says, Jesus came, and he stood among them and said, peace be with you. Which brings us to our first point, that peace comes when we realize that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. This is the foundation of our faith. In the midst of fear and worldwide pandemics and personal failures and persecution and any other sort of barrier that we put up between ourselves and Jesus, Jesus comes to bring peace because he is the Prince of Peace and his resurrection has established his victory over death, sin, and the devil. Amen? And so when you see in the spiritual realm where fear exists, well, fear can only exist where it's the most powerful force when it's in the room. But when a more powerful force enters the room, fear has to leave. And so when Jesus comes in the room, fear has to leave. And he wasn't just, catch this, he wasn't just talking about a feeling of peace. Oh, here's some peace, you know. Hope, you, hope you're good, you know. Take that with you. No, no, no. He's saying, no, no, no. Oh, peace. Peace be with you. 
I am the Prince of Peace, and I have literally walked into your cosmos, and I am bringing peace to you. Jesus is Emmanuel. He wasn't talking about a feeling. He was talking about himself. But the cool thing is, is when Jesus shows up, the feelings of peace follow. And so thank you, Lord, that we have a Prince of Peace who's willing to walk through our walls. He's willing to interrupt us in the midst of our fear, and he's willing to come to us with his grace and love and kindness. And even though the disciples had misunderstood the things that Jesus had very clearly and explicitly told them about his resurrection, even though they had missed it, they're afraid, and they've isolated themselves. They're not doing what he had created them to do in proclaiming his message. No, in the midst of that place, what does he do? He comes to them in mercy, in kindness, in grace, and he doesn't berate them. He doesn't rebuke them in this moment. He just says, peace be with you. I've missed it so many times, I, I can't count, but thankfully Jesus overlooks those things because his grace is powerful enough to cut through my barriers that I've put up between myself and Jesus, and he comes to bring peace. And here's the thing, y'all, uh, you don't need to take down those barriers your own. Jesus is initiating with you. You don't have to clean up your life to come to Jesus. He's initiating with you, and he's coming straight through those things that you have put up thinking they're going to protect you, and he's bringing his peace. Jesus, we invite you to just interrupt our worlds right now. We invite you to walk through those walls and bring us your peace. We need your peace, Father. We invite you to interrupt our addictions and say, peace be with you. We invite you to interrupt our family conflicts and say, peace be with you. We invite you to interrupt um, our fears and say, peace be with you. We invite you to interrupt our homeschool and say, peace be with you. Moms, can I get a witness? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, we give you permission to interrupt us at any time. And we invite you into our homes right now. And we ask that you speak your peace over us and you drive out fear in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. And when fear leaves and peace reigns, joy is released in that place and in that moment. Which brings us to our second point here, that peace unleashes joy. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. I was trying to think about a modern-day uh, picture of this, and the best thing I could think of was if you've ever seen those videos of a military family member surprising their family back here at home. And if you've ever watched these videos, they're incredible, but their typically their initial reaction is it's actually not joy it's actually shock right because they're they don't know if this person's alive and they're fearful for their life but then they're certainly not expecting them to see him uh, at this moment or in this context and so they're just you know their jaws drop and they're just in shock and i think that's actually what the disciples were were experiencing here they're they're just in shock at first that that Jesus is, is in, the, in the midst, in their presence. And so he's got to show them his hands. He shows them his side. In Luke 24, it says he had to eat some Long John Silvers for them to believe that he was a real dude. Uh, this was not an M. Night Shyamalan uh, horror movie. He was not a ghost. He was in the flesh. And, and so they're, they're trying to wrap their heads around it. And then in that place of shock, then if you've seen those reunions, there's joy released. And I got a picture here of a, a boy being surprised by his military father. 
And you could see just the joy in his eyes and running to the arms of his father. And I think this is a great picture of what it looks like when the disciples see Jesus. And I believe that one day we're going to see Jesus face to face. We're going to run into his arms and he's going to embrace us. He's going to hug us and it's going to be the most beautiful moment we've ever experienced. We were made for the father's arms. And in that place, it's a place of joy. So why were they filled with joy? Why were they uh, jubilant? Uh, man, the reason why they're, they're filled with joy is because they knew Jesus and they knew his character. And they had loved being around him. And he had loved them in a way that nobody else had. He'd encouraged them and he spoke value and peace over them in a way that nobody else had. And so when they saw him in the flesh, that he had been resurrected, they realized that his promises were actually true. All those things that he had taught them, the miracles he performed, and the kingdom that he had preached about coming was actually happening. Can I just tell you that it's happening? Jesus is who he says he is. He'll do what he says he'll do. And in that place, it releases crazy joy. Man, I'm talking like the level... Joy that's even greater when coronavirus is over kind of joy, right? And so party at my house when this thing is over. But until then, we're going to keep rejoicing in Jesus and finding joy in him. And can I just tell you, being around Jesus is not a bummer. When you get around Jesus, it's not uh, a bummer. It's actually the most joyful thing that you could ever imagine. There's no better place than in the Father's arms. The joy of Jesus is not a dead end, though. It's actually meant to bring us into and propels us into our purposes, which brings us to our third point here, that peace comes through consistent reminders. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. And so we're going to get to the purposes peace. But once again, after the, the chaos and the, the excitement has died down, Jesus has to once again remind them that peace be with you. I don't know about you, but more than anything, I just need reminders in my walk with God. That's why I get in a place of worship and thanksgiving. I'm thanking God and uh, all the husbands, you know, I don't know about you, but my wife needs to remind me of a few things every once in a while. Can I get a witness? Uh, and, uh, but those reminders are a good thing. They're a good thing. And so Jesus is reminding them of his peace in this moment. And so, uh, man, we can't give what we don't have, right? And so if we're going to give peace to the world, if we're going to give peace to the people around us, we have to have peace in our own lives, in our own hearts. And so trying to fulfill the purposes of God on your life without the peace of God is like trying to do a counseling so session with somebody and screaming at the top of your lungs in a place of fear and anxiety for a whole hour. Doesn't, doesn't do much good. It doesn't help that person very much, and it doesn't help you. But when we find peace, uh, it's not just for our own comfort uh, to make ourselves feel good. No, no, no. No, no, no. When we, and when we, di we disconnect the peace of God from our purposes, it becomes a self-serving dead end. That's not what the peace of God is for. Man, instead, the peace of God is meant to part the waters of our purposes and illuminate our path forward. Which brings us to our fourth point, that peace propels us into our purposes. So just to review the process we've been through, it's peace. He gives them proof of his presence. He brings them perfect joy. He reminds them of his peace again. And then that leads us to his purposes for the disciples. Verse 20, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. 
You see, it's vital that we understand what Jesus meant by this phrase if we are going to step into our own purposes. As the Father has sent me. So we're not going to understand, I am sending you, unless we understand, as the Father has sent me. And, and we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit in a, a moment, but man, this is, Trinity is all up in this business right here. It's all up in this passage. And so the best way for us to understand what it means that as the Father has sent me is to look at the life of Jesus and to look to the Word of God, because this is where this is explained to us. And we need the Word of God. We need this anchor in the midst of this time. And, and so uh, as the Father sent me, so how does Jesus articulate his understanding of the Father sending him? Well, Luke 19.10, he came to seek and save the lost. 1 John 3.8, to destroy the devil's work. Matthew 3.15, to fulfill all righteousness. Luke 4, 16-21, to proclaim the good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And in John 17.4, he says, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work that you have given me to do. Can I tell you that Jesus understood his calling, and he finished the work that God had given him to do. And that means it's possible for us, <clears throat> excuse me, to finish the work that God has given us to do. And it's described in this way in Ephesians 2.10, for you are God's workmanship, creating Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for you to do. That means even right now, even during coronavirus and being locked down and going stir crazy, God has good works for you to do. Can I get a witness? Amen. And in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus sends out his disciples to go and therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And lo, I love, lo, man, that's a good word. I need to do a word study on lo. Lo, right? I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And last time I checked, the end of the age isn't here. It may feel like it, but it's, last time I checked, it's not here. And so that means that Jesus is still with us. He's still with you. Can I tell you, lo, even though I am with you, even to the end of the age. And so challenges will come, crises will come, but Jesus promises to be with us in the midst of the crisis. Thank you, Lord. So God gives us his peace. And then he gives us a purpose. As the Father has sent out Jesus with authority and power, with love and with a purpose, he's doing the same thing for us today. So allow the Lord to give you purpose outside of the walls that you find yourself in. You weren't made for the walls, you were made for the world. But we can love the people within our walls, and that's going to help us reach the world digitally and one day in person, right? Amen. So we've seen this process of peace, right? Peace, he gives them proof of his presence that he's alive, he's resurrected. He gives them joy, gives them, reminds them of his peace. He gives them a purpose. And now what does he do? Well, he gives them his presence. Amen. It says, and then with that, he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, can I just tell you, I don't want anybody else breathing on me right now except Jesus. All right, you're the only person that can cough on me right now. Uh, but that's what he does. He literally breathes on them the Holy Spirit. I've got a picture here of a, a water park. If you've ever been to one of these, and one of those big buckets, right? And they fill up and then they dump out. And if you position yourself rightly, 
uh, you just get dumped on, right? And I think it's a great picture of what it means to receive the Holy Spirit, is to position ourselves in the place of prayer and worship and just to be washed in the love of God. That's why I get into God's presence each morning, so I can experience that. And so in Acts 1, this gets played out, right? That they're up in the upper room, and this time they're locked up, not out of fear, but out of obedience, awaiting the promise that God is coming and he is bringing his spirit, which is then going to propel the church forward to be everything it's created to be. But here in John 20, it's just a foretaste. And then they get it in Acts 1, and then they get it in Acts 2, and then they get it over and over and over and over again. You see, we need the receipt. We need to receive from the Holy Spirit over and over and over again. I don't know about you, but I leak. I leak. And so that's why I get, I get wonky. I get sideways, right? I get sinful, but I get the Holy Spirit and it cleanses me and it, it restores me. And I believe that God wants to pour his spirit out on us today uh, to bring healing and restoration in the place of fear. And it's going to bring peace. So once again, the presence of God allows us to be the people of God. So it's his peace. It's proof of his resurrection. It's his perfect joy. It's his reminder of peace. It's his purpose. It's his presence. And now he's empowering us to be his people. Which brings us to our sixth point, that forgiveness finishes the work of peace. And I'm going to connect this to God's people here. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. In Luke 24, the same story is recounted uh, by Luke, and he says that the Messiah will suffer, rise from the dead, and on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all the nations. Uh, some of you guys have uh, probably heard of the trial of Amber Geiger. I hope I'm saying that correct, but she was a Dallas police officer, and um, she was on trial for... Um, shooting a guy named Botham Jean, and uh, he was, so she came home late after her shift one night, and he lived in the apartment next to her, and he walks, she walked into the wrong apartment, and she shot him, uh, and um, so he died, and she's on trial, and she was sentenced to 10 years uh, in prison for that, and so I'm not here to go into her intentions, but after she was sentenced, um, Botham Jean's younger brother comes up, and I got a picture of this, and he, and he hugs Amber, and he says, I forgive you. Wow, right? What a powerful, modern picture, modern-day picture of what forgiveness in action looks like. Forgiveness is one of the most powerful things in the world, and it creates the opportunity for the people of God to be formed, for relationships to happen, and for peace to reign. You see, Jesus is really into relationships. Your spiritual maturity will never outpace your relational maturity. And so forgiveness is not just for you to receive from God. It's for you to give to others. If a brother sins against you, how many times? See, Jesus taught about forgiveness. We have to look at forgiveness in the totality of Jesus' teaching. If he sins against you, how many times should you forgive? Seven times seven times 70 times 70, right? Seven times seven times seven, right? bind and lose forgiveness right in our midst our duty is to forgive right uh, we leave, then we leave that person our forgiveness doesn't release that person from the responsibility or the effects of their sin uh, but it, it releases them up to god right uh, and, and that's our part right is to we jesus deals with their sin 
we just deal with their sins in the sense of community, right? So in the safe place of community, community doesn't happen if forgiveness isn't functioning, right? So the church doesn't exist to proclaim the message of forgiveness of sins from God if the community itself is not walking in forgiveness. There's a reason why Jesus says this at the end of this uh, section on peace. He's wanting them to understand, I want you to have peace in the way that you do life and you do relationships. I want you to be an embodiment of the gospel to one another. I don't know about you, but there are still places in my heart that I need to see the, the forgiveness of God played out before my very eyes. And this is the very thing that gives us authority to preach forgiveness to other people. We're still in need of healing, uh, accepting and responding, responding to the good news and experiencing forgiveness, uh, as are those outside of the faith community. So my conclusion this morning is that we've walked through this process together of peace, God's perfect joy, proof of his resurrection, reminders of peace, his purpose, his presence, and now a people of forgiveness. That's who we're called to be. And this is the process that Jesus walked his disciples through, taking them out of fear and into peace. And I believe that Jesus is wanting to do the same for us. So here's the call this morning. It's very simple. Jesus, would you walk through the walls of my home and would you bring peace? Because when Jesus walks in the room, everything changes. He leads us as a community through this process because he has a purpose for us. And in that place, peace replaces fear. Joy replaces sorrow. Faith replaces doubt. Purpose replaces aimlessness. God's presence replaces emptiness. And God's people replaces isolation. If you're watching today and you need a change, Jesus is really in to change. And he's calling you into a relationship with himself. I think we can all acknowledge that we're ready for an external change of our circumstances. But what if Jesus is wanting to do an internal change that has eternal impact in this time? John chapter 20 finishes with this. Jesus performed many signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you might believe in Jesus, that he is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. And so if you're needing life this morning, all you have to do is just come to Jesus, believe in him, that he is the Messiah, the, the son of God, that he was, he was crucified on the cross and raised from the, gra the grave, defeating sin and death. And in this moment, we have an invitation from him to receive his peace. And so uh, if that's you, I just want to encourage you, hey, uh, say, Jesus, would you, would you bring your peace to me this morning? I'm needing your peace. I believe in you. And I'm believing that you are coming to me today. And so we are made to be a people of peace. We are made to be a people that carry the presence of God. So let me pray for us and finish up uh, this morning. Lord, we thank you uh, for your peace. We thank you that you lead us through a process of peace out of fear. And Lord, when you walk into the room, everything changes. And so, Lord, thank you that you are the Prince of Peace. We worship you. We exalt you this morning. Amen. Let me bless you as we wrap up. May you be a people of peace, that you would carry the peace of God and that the peace of God would rest on you and your homes in this time. Thank you, Jesus. 
that you are coming to us. I bless you to receive Jesus in this moment, for him to walk through your walls, and for you to be a people of peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Be blessed. Thanks for being here today, and we'll see you back next Sunday.